0: hey it is office hours it's Wednesday oh, no is it Wednesday yeah it's Wednesday sorry it's Mikey because I know we got Wednesday Thursdays Fridays all days but today we're gonna talk about lemonade day so <laughs> we got Nicole Cassier maison uh Mason even better CEO of lemonade day lemonadeday.org all right there's your this is you know my kind of day you got Arnold Palmers you got John Daly's, and you got Straight Pink, Strawberry. What is Lemonade Day, Nicole? Uh,
1: Lemonade Day is a national nonprofit that is committed to preparing youth for life by way of teaching them entrepreneurship and, and essential life skills and character building skills that, quite frankly, are not being taught in our school because our education system is not prepared to holistically prepare youth for life. So that's where Lemonade Day and our experiential program comes in to to help round that out so that our kiddos are successfully prepared to take on the ventures of life, which doesn't just mean owning a business, right? Social entrepreneurship, all aspects of entrepreneurship and the skills you gain from it can be adapted in all aspects of life. And we're we're here to help our kids all by way of a Lemonade Day stand.
0: That is awesome. And there's two things that I think uh, entrepreneurship teaches that are invaluable in all aspects of any area of life. And one is how do we have a desire that we must be what we can be? And two, how do we enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our own potential, not listening to people laughing at us, scoffing at us, making fun of us, what other people want, what we don't want, all these different aspects that are in, Social media, especially, how do you teach those two things uh, within your programming to be what you must be and pursue your potential?
1: So our fine founder in our early days, Michael Holthouse, was quite astute in aligning our curriculum to the 40 developmental assets that have been identified by organizations like the Search Institute. And those are those very things that teach you ways around building your self-efficacy. Having the ability to believe, to dream, to be able to stand against the against the naysayers and to have inspiring ideas that you can bring into life. And we wrapped all of those different aspects, character virtue, life skills, financial literacy, business acumen, workforce development, all into a packaged curriculum that's experiential and fun and relatable everyone can relate to a lemonade day stand, to a lemonade stand, right? I mean, what person have, can you meet in life that maybe was selling watermelons, maybe it was something else, but almost every kid has had some touch with something like this. So why not wrap around it with some skills development that's very critical to your future?
2: Two questions, it's amazing. What inspires you to do this? And the second question is, what age do you start them setting up the stands?
1: I'm going to answer the first question, the second question first. So our sweet spot is third through seventh grade. Now, our program is designed K through eighth. And some people would say, why so early? There are studies beyond belief, especially over with our friends at Cambridge and Oxford, that show by the age of nine, you have got to be imparting these valuable lessons on kids in order to set them up long term most of our programs around financial literacy aren't introduced into high school. And most of them then aren't wrapped with some of the experiential pieces. And brain science will tell you that if you wait that late, a kid's path is already set, their brain is already hardwired. And that's why K through eighth is really where you've got to start. But we always say our sweet spot starts at about third grade. And ah, your and your other question though about what keeps uh-huh. me going Inspired. with this, what inspires me. So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, my I'm a first generation college graduate. My parents worked their way up to owning their own business so successful they were able to retire at an early age, and it's a gene that lives throughout my entire family. So it was something that was pretty naturally. Brought up that if you want to achieve something in life and you want to be able to dream and dream big, you got to work hard for it and pursue it. So I've called myself a social entrepreneur now, heading up a nonprofit.
0: I love it, and you know it's interesting because education uh, has changed its brand within the context of entrepreneurship. Um, and you know, growing up in my family, I was the exact opposite, right? That. The um, you know fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. You either a doctor, or a lawyer, or a failure. If you were an entrepreneur, you you know went to go see a psychiatrist about therapy. That must be necessary. That you don't need secure security and stability in your life. So something may be wrong with you, um, and your religion may have just kicked you out of the church or temple, whichever way it goes. Driven by guilt, all the things that you see now. I'm blessed to be around. I'm chief chancellor of junior achievement university, blessed to be around a ton of entrepreneurs since you are the first generation college grad. What is your perspective on education, formal secular education, uh, going to college, for example, for young entrepreneurs?
1: So first, I would say I think a lot of us need to get our mindset that college is not always the destination for some of our children. And and so assuming that not all children have that path, again, it, it's even more critical that we introduce these concepts at an earlier age. But back in the day, we used to be able to rely on our educators to be able to fill that void. And, or you had, fit, you had kids that were a part of a strong, stable family, two parents, working parents that were able to impart these on our kids. And that's just not the world in which we live in today. Most of our kids are getting their education by YouTube and social media, and and then families are making a lot of assumptions that teachers in schools are equipping kids with certain skills that they're just, quite frankly, not. And that's where programs like this, programs like Junior Achievement have to come in so that we're creating that holistic package and setting our kids up for a lifelong path of success.
0: But I, I do want to reiterate something you say, right? Everyone needs to be educated. You don't necessarily need to go to college or graduate school to be educated. And it's something that I really want to get across to you because education to me is the most important investment you can make in yourself. I actually teach kids to do a timing and risk tolerance analysis of the investment that they're going to make in themselves uh, via education. So if it's YouTube or if it's, you know, some other social platform with great influencers that have terrific content that can change your mindset, your heartset, and give you pragmatic tools uh, in which to monetize or create a career or fulfill passion, profit and purpose with. But I think it's really important for people like Mike, myself and you to reiterate that just because you don't go to college doesn't mean you shouldn't be educated. And there's multiple ways to educate yourself like Your organization is an education organization. Uh, It's a supplement to, you know, elementary school and junior high school. And it may, for a lot of people, be a much better investment than spending eight hours a day, you know, learning uh, trigonometry, which uh, to this day has haunted me. (laughs)
2: Nicole I have a question how many schools are you in and did you get any resistance when you were first trying to put implement this program into the curriculums
1: so we are just to better explain the way we operate we're a license holder operator so it's almost like a franchise we are in 84 cities around the country and we're actually in three countries as well so our way of of Investing and interjecting into a community is meeting the community where they are. So, some of our communities they're really strong with their community development and economic development organizations. Some it's a chamber, it's a junior achievement, it's a boys and girls club. Some it's aligned with math and STEM programs and it's embedded in the school curriculum. So, where we are instead of going top down and trying to force something that for as they say, around peg and square hole. We are meeting our communities where they are and packaging our program and our curriculum to make sense for that community.
0: And, yep. you know, as far as making sense in customizing it per community, um, have you been able or thought about, you know, utilizing uh, the merchandising side uh, to gain and to build more more opportunities? So, you know, in the aspect of what I call the stage theory, you could have a lemonade stand. Uh, But, you know, the Lemonade Day brand could be built and staged and amplified and modified and perpetuated to create even a bigger platform that can create more dollars that can help inspire, educate even more kids.
1: You have picked up on the core of our new strategic plan that's guiding us into the future. And that was that we have developed a digital platform, an app where we have taken our program that historically has been desktop in a printed workbook and put it into an interactive app. Again, if our kids are gonna be on devices, let's put something effective in front of them that's a little bit of fun that they can do with a parent, grandparent or a guidance counselor. And, And so the app is a great way for us to get into our kids' world in today's environment textbook, things have changed so drastically. And so we have been able with the app to create and develop it in a way where we can monetize it so that we can also charge it to and go to uh, direct to the consumer to be able to charge it so that it's not necessarily connected to a license holder. And the huge testament to this is Nickelodeon has just stepped up to be a, a supporting sponsor of our platform. Which when you're talking about ways to to get into different venues, into different aspects of our business, that is an amazing brand that can take our curriculum, our graphics, and you can just start seeing where the future can take us in terms of different opportunities that's not just sitting in a workbook or even on an app. When you're thinking about some of the fun, cartoony aspects of this.
2: Wow, Nickelodeon, that's massive.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean more massive than even the brand in the cart, the animation side of what Nickelodeon does, the community side, yeah. and also the influencer. One of the things that Nickelodeon does so well is they utilize you know, the biggest names, The Rock and John Cena, and just amazing influencers uh, that when you're participating on their platform will give you more exposure and awareness Uh, And because the frequency of Lemonade Day is such a high level where it's so abundant and, you know, helps so many kids. I can't see how the adaptation and uh, cannibalization of a lot of the influencers and community that they have uh, will take uh, your brand to an exponential level.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. I hope so, especially in the gaming world in which we live. Right. I mean, look at things like Minecraft. And what they have been able to accomplish—that speaks volumes to the potential when when you've entered into this app world, uh, especially with social and emotional learning.
0: And what yeah. about Sorry, I just say also, what about adaptable learning? You know, one of the things that I see from what you're doing, uh, adaptation, and you know, is the new emotional intelligence and adaptable intelligence. Things because of technology are changing so quickly that adaptable intelligence is equal to or greater than emotional and intellectual intelligence. Uh, And I think we'll see that over the next 10 years that we'll be teaching and focusing in on this adaptable intelligence, Uh, taking something as traditional and legacy based as a lemonade stand and turning it into a Nickelodeon based content machine uh, is very adaptive. Uh, Are you guys focusing in on the adaptable skills and capabilities that kids are going to need to, Help accelerate us into the future.
1: Absolutely, especially when you're thinking about the digital divide, because a big, a big focus of Lemonade Day is our underserved communities. And it's one thing to talk about having an app and having a digital platform, but if an underserved community and a youth does not have access to that technology, then it's completely defeated the purpose. So that is a way that we are really looking, by way of our new strategic plan, that we are looking into finding ways to, again, take our curriculum and adapt it to different communities and different needs. And that with what COVID has brought on with the horrific educational learning loss, I foresee a future where you're going to have much more kids out of a classroom setting that are eager to get their hands on this experiential curriculum. Wow.
0: Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Certainly, as chief chancellor of junior achievement university and working so closely uh, and with in the same mission as you to help prepare youth for life uh, through the fun and proactive and experiential programs that you guys are creating Uh, you know whatever you need all you need to do is ask we'd love to have you back on and share some success stories as well LemonadeDay.org. o-r-g Uh, please reach out to nicole thank you so much for your service
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the attention.
0: We love having you. Thank you.
1: Love you. Thanks. Bye.
0: All right. Bye. How cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Jay is a big part of my life. Um, so anything that complements and helps assist in empowering financial literacy, adaptable education, you know, the newfound way of applying our capabilities and our skills and our desires to what actually we can do today, not some... Facade of you know trigonometry, uh, you know, is especially important to me. Uh, anyway, we got another fantastic guest. Vispy is here to join us. This Vispy Daver is the senior vice president of global sales and partnership at Whatfix, uh, and uh, would love for you, Vispy, to help us talk about. Uh, we were talking about the adaptable intelligence. Uh, that's right up your alley at WhatFix. Give us a little background on, you know, what Fix does and what it, what it's supposed to fix uh, and how it empowers users uh, to the adaptation uh, of our digital journey.
3: I will do that, David and Mike. So first of all, thanks for having me and thanks uh, for all your listeners as well. Uh, you know, when uh, when you're a new employee or you're a new user of a software product, and uh, you're trying to navigate through it, and you don't know what to do. Um, you've joined a new company. You, they've given you the, your HR software or your sales software, et cetera, and now you're supposed to learn it on the fly or read some videos or, or access some articles. So we eliminate the need for that entirely. What we have is a digital adoption platform. It's a layer that sits on top of all these softwares and guides users through contextually, which means based on who you are, and where you are and what you need to do. So let's say I'm a new employee. I log in. I join. Here's my first day. The incumbent HR process is here's a stack of PDFs to fill out. Our way is here's a walkthrough that guides you through what you need to do in each of your systems. That could be uh, configuring your profile, ordering your laptop, ordering your phone, etc. all of that done almost automatically. So you're onboarded faster. That's one use case. But the idea is, Every employee at a company, on average, has about fifteen software applications they have to master. And after they're onboarded, they keep having to use this. And we prevent them from leaving the software. We guide them through what to do, as they call us, uh, interactively, contextually in the software itself. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could. I wish I could show you, Mike. Uh, g- given That's that, uh, given that response, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's just so brilliant because you're right. People get, they get overwhelmed, they've got a new job, they've got all these things they are going to learn, and they're deer in headlights. So yeah. what gave you the inspiration to come up
3: with such a brilliant idea? Yeah, it was actually our two founders were working, as, as so often happens in startups, they were working on another idea entirely. And while working on the other idea, those users said, hey, here's a much better idea, try this instead. And we they did that about six years ago, and today it's a real category with hundreds of Fortune 500 companies treating us as a what they call their employee experience layer, which is the common layer that guides employees through everything they need to do in their particular software application. And um, uh, we're in the you know one of the uh, descriptions of the podcast is looking at companies in scale and growth phase, and uh, I was trying to think of how best to describe our scale and growth. And today, our HR team did an analysis of how many people they've hired uh, this year. And the answer came out to one and a half people per working date for the company. That's the scale and growth that we're at. So we're at about 600 people growing at one and a half per day, uh, at roughly, from a scale standpoint.
0: And it, it me you know, it's not only the growth of what most people would think of customers, but I love to use the word client because a client is someone that I work with and through. I don't sell to. Uh, but one thing that COVID has really uh, brought forth within the context of a SaaS solution, being, you know, a VP of global sales, a position that I held early in my career as well and partnerships is that there's actually now a real focus with solutions like yours on all three clients uh, that, a, that a, a big corporation has. One, of course, the customer being a client, two, the internal uh, vendors that we have, our clients, and three, of course, our employees, which are critical today uh, because uh, recruitment and retention are probably, I think, the biggest critical business issue for the Fortune 1000, at least, Uh, retention and recruitment because of guys like Gary V and I that have romanticized entrepreneurship. I'm really stressing intrapreneurship Because I think not everybody's made out to be an entrepreneur, but there's huge opportunities with these global 1000. They got so much money, equity, benefits, you know, unbelievable expense accounts. I don't know why if someone doesn't have some sickness like myself that they must be what they can be. You're much better being the entrepreneur. But is your SaaS solution is the platform built for all three of these clients, the customer, the vendor and the employee? Or is it specifically just for the employees?
3: It's built for all three, primarily the first and the third. So you could be a a large company building your own software for end customers. So your customers could be using us and using a software. So, for example, um, uh, you know, uh, StreamYard could use us to navigate through this and they could be a buyer for our product. Then the third one's a big one. And that's where there's true scale because the number of apps is infinite uh, that uh, enterprises buy the second one only as which is the vendors only as it pertains to do the vendors interact with the enterprise through a software solution and yes they do for procurement and vendor management and things like that so it would work on all three any uh, application itself uh, it would work and then you asked about covid and you know there's there's a couple of really fascinating realizations uh, dave and mike so one is uh, in the U.S. specifically, we sell to these large global, you know, 100 companies or Fortune 100. And, you know, the idea of visiting them was something we always proposed. Hey, you know, we'd like to come in. This is the big uh, presentation, etc. And the U.S. had advanced so much and were so far advanced in looking at, third party reviews, you know, there's there's the Yelps of software now with G2Crowd and Captera, et cetera, and say, yeah, you can come, but I've done my diligence and it's not necessary as part of the sales process. Now COVID, you know, sort of completely amplified that as well, where you couldn't travel. Now the rest of the world hasn't been that forward in terms of customer visits and things like that. Today's enterprise customers are so savvy based on their research that they've done is they don't need as much of a peer-to-peer review uh, as they did earlier in terms of uh, customers and references and things like that. So it's evolved quite a bit. And then the second big change on COVID is just around now employees are remote. So now the need for training in a uh, non-synchronous environment is even more widespread. And that makes a big use case for us. Awesome. Do you get any resistance when you try
2: to sell this? Because it's it's such a straightforward thing. But are some people like hesitant and resistant?
3: Yeah, mostly, Mike. It's around timing. You know, they've they've bought the software. Now they're implementing it. The the uh, markets evolved where several are using us as part of a part of that project and saying, "Look, I get it. I have to work on adoption day one." That's happened. Um, but mostly, it's around. All right, I've got to do all these things. I've got to implement it, get it live, and then I can focus on this. So it's always timing um, in terms of when to start. Now, and the, the other sort of positive thing is once you've started with one, then that roller coaster occurs where it's just continuous, more apps, et cetera, being added. So timing is one, prioritizing it and timing it is one. Um, in the very early days, Mike, so someone who hasn't heard this uh, heard about this category would often say, well, isn't that a knock against the software vendors because haven't they said that their user interface is the best and all of that? that? Even the software vendors are past that. They're building customizable software to configure for each enterprise. And the way you use StreamYard might be the way, different from how I do. Certainly the way you use Gmail is different from how I do. The way you use Salesforce is different. So all the software vendors are way past that. And they, in fact, have adoption arms themselves from a consulting practice. It's a, it's a big use case. Buying software and having... It not fully utilized is an age old product Hello? since the start of software. Yeah. Yes, good. Uh-huh. Sorry. Sorry, yeah.
2: No, so no worries.
0: they um, I I had one last question real quick. Um, so <laughs> in, in <laughs> I'm just sitting there going that my mute was on. You think I just this is the first time I've done it? Uh, so <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, anyway, uh, sorry about this. I got my bank on the phone, so I love live streams. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. I, I had a really good, oh, I know. So um, you're, scale, you're scaling at about 400 people this this year. Where where are you hiring those people for sales or yeah. for systems integration?
3: Yeah, not quite 400 per working day. So you know uh, we're at 600 right now. We'll be anywhere between 800 ish uh, to nine by the end of the by in 12 months. Uh, functionally everywhere, um, all functions, but geographically really interesting, uh, David. So we have about eighty percent of our company based out of India, and we're able to do all functions out of India, including uh, I can't, um, I uh, you would not believe the size of uh, uh, software sales that we do out remotely. Again, coming back to my earlier point in the U.S. being sort of forward-thinking in that. And then we have people in the U.S., Germany, U.K., and uh, Australia as well. So growing across the board, across all functions, um, definitely at that stage where, you know, the market is, uh, our math is that out of the Fortune 500, 200 have made their decision on a a first application for, for this category. The other 300 are Greenfield, similar math for Global 2000. But the action even within the 200, that we have landed at, uh, we and our competitor have landed at is so much because you're expanding within there. Does that make sense? It's yeah. it, if I if I had to do a multiple on our largest multiple on a first land versus where we are today would come to about uh, 40X from our dollar value we got in our first land to where we are today. Just add apps, add apps, add, apps, add softwares. And then eventually they go, I'm done with adding more. I want it for my entire enterprise. And that's where now we hit, you know, seven, uh, way over seven figures. Yeah.
0: That is one good business. Well, yeah. we certainly appreciate your success. Mike, do you have anything left?
2: No, it's amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Everything's great.
0: Thank yeah. you.
2: Thank well, you both. Where, 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 where can
0: people reach out to you for those few companies that haven't tried
3: whatfix.com? Yeah, whatfix.com, but you could do Vispi, V-I-S-P-I, at whatfix.com and I'll direct you as well. Thank
0: you a lot. Well, we will feed you many more clients. What a great solution you have. We appreciate your patience and understanding. Thanks so much, Vispi, for joining us. Thank you both. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. That right. was
2: a classic. You were on the phone to your bank. That, come on. That's the best. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> my wife would have killed me if I didn't take that because uh, I – just to show you, right? It's the real world out here and lesson learned um, <laughs> as we get to the end of the day. Anyway, all right, Mikey, takeaway of the day, besides don't answer the phone when you're on TV.
2: No, no, no the takeaway of the day is adaptability because you had to adapt. I was ready. I had a rough day. I had a kid that wanted to kill himself, and my day was like I thought this kid was going to – he was sending messages, wanted to leave a rehab, so I had to adapt real quick on the on the back on on the phone all day him in the rehab and then matt called me and said Dave may not be able, on today and i was like a little like okay and no like, no problem I'll, I'll read the notes so i wasn't expecting you to come which was a great surprise and then i adapted to that then you adapted because you're an important call so i think you know the one thing i learned from the lemon story is being adaptable and and she said one beautiful thing she will go into wherever it is and meet them where they are, which is true rapport because you want to mirror and match when you build rapport. So being adaptable and meeting people where they are and then creating a new opportunity.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think my takeaway is, you know, the power of utilization. And what I mean by that is that lemonade stands have been around forever, forever since lemonade, right? Probably before there were stands. So, um, besides, I don't know why they call them stands when you're sitting. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Um, but utilization is so interesting because of technology, uh, both with LemonadeDay.org and with WhatFix, the utilization of these powerful tools have been underutilized, right? When we used to just sit on a corner, sit on a corner with a lemonade stand, you could only get so much business from the cars that go by when you have these softwares that like streamyard you only use you know i think the average of use of a software is like 5% the average person uses like 5% of the capability of a software and so both lemonade.org and whatfix are utilization tools of how to utilize you know entrepreneurship or lemonade stand into like nickelodeon and the biggest name like incredible right and then whatfix is allowing us to utilize the parts and pieces of the software in order to be more productive, accessible, and gracious. Utilization is the lesson I had and takeaway for the day. I appreciate you with your patience. Uh, adaptable schedules, I'm back on the road every week, uh, but we're not gonna miss office hours. We're not gonna miss sharing our lessons and stories and these great guests that have their lessons and stories to share. I appreciate you, Mr. Mindfuel. Thank goodness when I'm on the road, I got you with me. And I look forward to seeing you in person. Mike Diamond, thanks for joining me. I'll see you
2: tomorrow morning. I'll see See you tomorrow morning morning at 6. Bye, mate. All right, bye, mate. (coughs) Right on. What a
0: day. I appreciate everybody. And it is Office Hours here, Wednesday's edition. We have two great guests. And uh, make sure that uh, you go ahead and email me if you want uh, anything, david at dmelcher.com. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. with office hours, Pacific Time, that is. Just reach out to me, David, at dmelter.com. But remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.